The coaching industry has gained a bad reputation, and for good reason. In this episode, I illuminate the biggest lies shared in the coaching industry, which have led to the destruction of the true art of coaching. Tune in and learn the ways in which coaches are creating more damage than good, what coaching is and what it is not, and the five most common lies shared in the coaching industry. Now, just as a reminder, I'm going to be reopening my intimate group offering Potent Leaders this September. This is a four-month coaching and mentoring journey that will help you rebuild your business from a place of absolute alignment while deepening your presence so you can lead your purpose with integrity. I'll only be taking eight leaders total. Learn more at rubyfremont.com forward slash potent leaders and apply today. As a reminder, my book, Potent Leadership, is available on Amazon and on Audible. Grab the book at potentleadership.com. And of course, whether you are a loyal listener or you're brand new to the podcast, please take a moment to download a few episodes on iTunes or Spotify and drop a rating and review. Your ratings and reviews help me get this podcast out to more leaders around the world. Now it is time to talk about the most common lies shared in the coaching industry. Beyond the narrative, underneath the veil of illusion, and deep within your center, therein lies potent truth. Welcome to Potent Truth, where today's leaders, changemakers, and light carriers come together to question the narrative, arrive at potent truth, and lead with sovereignty. What is potency? It's who you are beneath the masks, facades, and protective gear. It's the medicine humanity yearns for, cries out for, prays for, and needs. Your potency is what sets you apart, magnetizes your following, and creates movements. Join me, Ruby Fremon, for weekly guidance, channeled messages, and potent conversations that will take you on a journey of self-discovery. I am here to guide you to a place of unraveling the programming that's been keeping us stuck for generations, unlocking potent truth and expressing it through sovereign leadership. It's time for change. It's time for potent truth. So many of you may not realize this, but I have actually been coaching since 2014. So in 2014 is when I really began to dive deep into the personal development space. If you've been following me for a while, you know that 2012 was really when I hit the bottom of all rock bottoms. And from there, I started to entertain different avenues to try and better myself, to improve my life, things like fitness, health, wellness, and personal development. But in 2014, that was the first time I really started investing in myself in terms of personal development. And I did so by attending Gabby Bernstein's very first ever Spirit Junkie Masterclass, which was held in person in New York. That was an experience for me. That was the first time that had been in a room with so many people talking solely about spirituality, personal development, and growth. 
And I found it to be an extremely electrifying environment. That event alone affirmed for me that this was the direction that I really wanted to take my life and career in. I had already at this point been sharing really openly about my own journey through addiction, through rebuilding my life from rock bottom. I had already started to help people through my blog online. But that event, spending that weekend there, that really showed me that there was this whole other world for me to play in, for me to work in, for me to be of service to myself and to the world. It was that weekend when I decided that I wanted to become a coach. Now, there are a lot of lies, myths, rumors being thrown around in the coaching industry nowadays, so much so that the coaching industry itself and life coaches have gained a bad reputation, which is really sad for people like me, people like me who are actually classically trained coaches. But back then, that wasn't the case. So in 2014, I started researching different coaching schools, coaching programs, and back then there wasn't that many or as many as there are today. Now there's a dime a dozen. I mean, everyone seems to be opening up their own coaching certification programs. We'll talk about that more further into this episode. But back then there wasn't a ton of options. And I was really interested in gaining the skills that I felt were necessary in order to hold space for other human beings in a coaching environment. I knew, I recognized at that point in 2014 that I did not have the skills necessary to do this work. I had the desire, I had the passion, I had the purpose, I had my life experiences which fueled me with the motivation to want to help and serve people but I was humble enough to admit that I did not have the skills needed to hold space in that way for other people. And I say that intentionally because that is one of the pieces that is often disregarded nowadays when it comes to people making the decision to become coaches. So again, I was humble enough to recognize that I did not have the skills required, the skills that were necessary to hold space for other human beings as a coach. So I decided to go to school. I found a program, uh, actually a college, in my hometown of Vancouver, BC, and I really loved what they offered. And in fact, I had actually applied to be a student at this college a few years ago. Uh, prior to that, I think in 2012, and I'd gone and done the meet and greet and the tour and gotten to know their teachers and instructors. But at that point in time, I was still really deep in my own personal journey and it just wasn't the right time. So I circled back to them. This was Rhodes Wellness College, and I will leave a link to their school in the show notes in case you're interested. And I, when I circled back with them, I just really loved what they had to say. They are an uh, experiential program, meaning that it's not just this online course. Our classes took place over Zoom, 
but we would have to literally coach each other while our instructors would watch us coach and then dissect our coaching session. So it was really hands-on learning. We got to integrate and practice everything that we were learning during the program and throughout the program. I love that idea because I didn't want to just read some books or, or take an online course and then be thrown into the coaching world. I didn't feel like that would provide me with the tools that I needed. I needed to be able to practice those skills in a supervised environment for me to feel confident enough to enter the coaching field. And again, a lot of the things I'm going to say in this episode, I'm going to say very intentionally, especially for those who have considered becoming a coach or even those who are coaches. It's really important to understand your skill set, what you have and what you don't have, what you know and what you don't know, and be humble enough to admit that there's still some more to learn. So 2014, I started uh, my program at Rhodes Wellness College. And 2014 was also when I began coaching because in the program, you are um, encouraged to begin coaching and track all your hours because this college ran by, it followed the ICF guidelines. The ICF is the International Coaching Federation. Now, it's really important to mention that coaching itself is an unregulated industry, meaning there is no governing board that regulates this industry. So yes, anyone can become a coach, technically. Anyone can call themselves a coach, technically. But that doesn't mean that everyone can actually coach. (laughs) Really important distinction. So the ICF, what that is, is it's a... um, nonprofit membership organization that offers guidelines for coaching. So you can pay to become a member and you pay annual dues. And that means that you have to follow their guidelines. So they have a set of guidelines. Now the school I went to followed their set of guidelines. So I was, I call it classically trained. I was classically trained as a coach under the ICF guidelines I did not choose to become an ICF member, um, mostly because I didn't have to in order to be a coach. And I just don't like to adhere to a lot of rules. (laughs) That doesn't mean that I break rules as a coach. It just means that I don't like to be part of a self-admitted association that seemingly wants to regulate an industry, but it doesn't. So I started coaching in 2014 and what that looked like was one-on-one sessions that I would actually offer for free. So I would put out there like, Hey, I'm offering these one-on-one coaching sessions for free. Cause I was tracking my hours and practicing my skills and I would let people know upfront, this is what's happening. And I did this so that I could truly practice my skills as a coach and take everything that I was learning in the program, in addition to the coaching practicum that we had within the program and within our our group of students, but also begin to apply it outside of the program to with people who are not coaching students. From there, I started to charge $100 for one-hour sessions, single sessions, one-off sessions, when I started to gain more confidence in my skills as a coach. And... It just all grew from there. 
Now, I'll be the first to say that I haven't always been a perfect coach, yet I have always been one who is willing to learn and willing to admit that I don't know everything. And I believe that this is what makes me a strong coach. And I think that this is what makes anyone a strong human being is knowing that we don't know everything and knowing that we are just students here on this path, on this journey called life, and that we are all here to learn. So even with the quote unquote title of coach, it's important to understand that yes, the title is earned and yes, you get to continue to earn that title by being a humble student of this work. I noticed that the more I coached, the better I became as a coach. And this is really important to mention because a lot of people want to just come out as a coach, start coaching at these absurd astronomical prices, not even caring about the quality of their service or the depth of their service just because they feel like they have the title of coach and they can do that. And that's what they see other people doing in this unregulated coaching industry, right? We're seeing a lot of coaches popping up. Everyone and anyone is a coach nowadays. That's like the running joke. And everyone seems to be either a traveling coach, a nomad coach, a coach who's got this crazy, awesome lifestyle. Like there's so much emphasis on the wrong things. There's no, not enough emphasis on the coaching itself and the service that is being provided and too much emphasis on the lifestyle that these coaches are building. And who knows how much of that is really fucking real, right? Because you're only seeing people's highlight reels. So I decided that I was just going to keep coaching. I was going to keep my prices really low. I mean, I feel like I, I birthed my first group program very shortly after my coaching school ended. I think it was 2015. And I was charging, I believe it was like 325 a month. And it was a um, one month program. It was called the Reboot. And I started at that price. And I also gave away a lot of seats for free. So the first time I ran that program, I think half the seats were free and the other half paid $325. For me... Yes, I believe the investment is important because that creates this energetic exchange. Like someone is agreeing to really take part in this program, in this offering, in this contract. And that is their their investment to it is showing their dedication to it. And all of that shit gets super twisted. So I started my prices really low. And from there, I started building things up slowly. I call it the ladder approach. And I share this approach with all of my clients who are building any sort of business is to be careful of a lot of the bullshit that people share out there about pricing your worth and and expanding your pricing so that you can live the lifestyle that you desire. And it's like, wait, what about the services that you have to offer? Are you actually building on that value? Are you deepening the value of your offers, of your service? Or are you just diluting all of that in exchange for this lifestyle that you want to live? I mean, if you are in this work, if you choose to become a coach because of a lifestyle that you desire to have, this is not the right industry for you. 
Coaching is a service-based industry. You're literally dealing with other human beings and supporting them on this journey. That deserves reverence. So don't get into this work for the wrong reasons, which is something that I see people doing all the time. Nowadays, as I mentioned, there's more and more schools popping up, coaching programs, coaching certification programs, weekend programs, um, coaches deciding that they want to teach other coaches how to coach. I want to make this super clear. There are no regulating governing boards for coaching, nothing. So anyone could literally start up their own coaching school and create their own little design certificates and hand those out at free will. That doesn't mean shit. Okay. So if you are wanting to become a coach, use your discernment when finding a place to get educated. And for those of you seeking to work with coaches, don't just fall into the trap of the shiny certification because that has nothing to do with the actual skill set of the coach. What I have noticed, because I've been coaching a long time, 2014, that's a long time. I've noticed that there's a lot of damage being done to people who are working with coaches. And I've noticed this both through my own programs when people come to me after working with other coaches and just through speaking with a lot of my fellow coach friends and the stories that we hear. And maybe, hopefully this isn't the case, but maybe you've also experienced some of this damage firsthand, okay? And if you're a coach listening or watching this episode, pay attention because maybe you have inflicted some of this damage, okay? So the damage that I'm talking about that is being done to people who are working with coaches, there is the trauma and the re-traumatization, Now, I'm going to talk about this in different episodes, not this one specifically, so I'm not going to drop into trauma too deeply, but I will say this. Just because you've read a book on trauma doesn't make you trauma-informed. You can be trauma-aware, meaning you understand that people have trauma, but you don't actually know how to work with that trauma. And so a lot of coaches are inflicting trauma onto their clients or re-traumatizing clients through their own practices, through their own coaching methodologies. There's also a lot of blaming and shaming happening in coaching containers. You see a lot of this. I've had a lot of clients sadly come to me, come into my group program, Potent Leaders, after being in other business coaching programs where they have felt blamed or shamed for the lack of results that they've achieved in a program. There's a lot of gaslighting happening within coaching containers, which just leaves people's clients feeling like they're crazy. It's not okay. There's a lot, like far too many coaches who are leading with their own personal narratives and judgments and beliefs rather than really listening to their clients. So it's like a coach hears what their client has to say. And then the coach thinks, oh, I get it. I know what this client needs. I know what this client is going through. Um, So I'm just going to have them do X, Y, and Z. 
which has them asking leading questions. A leading question is a question that leads your client in a specific direction versus a question that actually leads your client inwards. So the coach starts asking leading questions, pushing, persuading um, the client to go a certain direction, pushing their own advice based on their own personal beliefs and experiences. This is not okay. Uh, I have experienced this many times. There was this one time that um, I was working with a peer of mine and she thought that I had a lot of unexpressed rage that needed to be expressed. And so she was working with me and the whole session, it just didn't feel right. And I was like, I don't have anything. Like I don't, I can't tap into the rage. And she kept making me feel a little crazy saying things like, okay, try lying down like this, try feeling like this, just think about all the anger. And I was like, that, that's not what's coming up for me. What's coming up for me is grief, not rage. And if only she had, instead of asking leading questions and instead of leading the experience, if only she had listened deeply and paid attention, she would have uncovered that herself and been able to guide me in a way that would have really felt more nourishing and more supportive. There's also a lot of damage being done with this profit first approach versus the people first approach. Again, coaching is a service based industry. It is a service based job. You are here to serve other people but when you start to take on this profit first approach, you tend to forget about the people. It is possible. Let me tell you, it's possible to put people first and still make a profit. I am living proof. I have done this and I've continued to build this successful career by putting people first, by putting service first. I know many people who have done this. It is possible. And it feels so much better to lead in this way. This also leads into the unethical sales practices that I'm sure many of us have experienced firsthand or have even done themselves. Maybe you've done this yourself. I've always joked around and called this bro marketing and sometimes my male friends get upset with me, but you know, it, it, it's just kind of sleazy, right? It's pushing people to make decisions when they're in a, a state of pain or a state of fear. It's using people's pain or fear against them. A lot of people position this as pain point marketing. Look, it's, it's important to help identify the pain, right? To understand your client's pain points, for clients to understand what their pain points are, but to then push the client or potential client to make a decision while they're in that state of pain, that is unethical. I don't care how successful you think you are. It is an unethical approach. And I've had many coaches use this on me. And it never feels right. Like, can I not just have a few days to fucking think about this? Because I want to make sure that this feels good. I want to discuss it with my husband because this is a big investment and 
my husband and I are in life together. Can I not just have a weekend? Why do I have to make this decision right fucking now? And yet this is something that is practiced more often than not in the coaching industry. The other damage that's being done to people through working with coaches is this idea of scaling. So coaches start to create programs that are bigger with more more clients involved. So the, the group programs, instead of being like five people, there are 10 people. Instead of being 10 people, there are 20. Then it goes to 50. Then it goes to 100. What does this do? It dilutes the service. I don't care how many assistant coaches you have on board. It's going to dilute the service. It just does. And then when you dilute the service, it's easier to have wallflowers in your programs. So that's the clients who show up, but then they are intimidated by the sheer size of everything. They feel unheard. They feel unseen. They feel unacknowledged. So they stop showing up. Scaling can often dilute the service. Now, a lot of people think that coaching is a lot of things that it's not. (laughs) There are a lot of misconceptions about what coaching is and what it is not. So I want to share some of those, the biggest misconceptions. So a lot of people think that coaching is telling people what to do. I'm I'm a coach. I'm going to tell my clients what to do. No, my friends, that is called being an advisor. (laughs) A lot of people think that coaching is talking at the client and they'll actually spend the majority of a coaching session talking at the client versus listening. That is not coaching. I've met a lot of fucking coaches like this, especially big coaches who run huge events, think they're the shit because they put themselves on this pedestal and they're talking at the client without ever really hearing what that client has to say. This is not coaching, okay? People think that coaching is a coach leading a session. And I've actually had a lot of clients assume this as well. They'll come into a session and be like, okay, where are we going today? And I'm like, where are we going today? A coach doesn't lead a client session. A coach can be there to facilitate, to guide, to help guide, but the coach isn't in the driver's seat. The client is. People think that coaching is an easy way to make money. Again, if this is you, please don't take up coaching. It, is, it can be an easy way to make money when you take on unethical practices. It can also be an easy way to make money when you're really fucking good at it. But the people who are really fucking good at it aren't looking at it as an easy way to make money. They're doing this from a place of servitude. So what is coaching then? If these are the things that coaching is not, then what is coaching? Well, what coaching really is, is a coach asking thought provoking questions to help their clients see things differently or to help their clients gain a deeper understanding of themselves and their life experiences. So the coach's job is to ask powerful questions. That's it. Okay. Coach deeply listens to their clients. So the coach isn't doing the most amount of talking in a coaching session. The client is doing the most talking in a coaching session, not the coach. The coach is there to listen and again, to ask thought-provoking questions to help that client take their understanding to a deeper level. 
Coaching is letting your client lead. So letting your client lead the session, letting your client lead the discussion and just guiding as needed. You can always help bring the client back on track if they start to lose focus, but you're not really just leading the entire conversation. And coaching, again, I've said this a few times in this episode, is a service-based practice, okay? It's all about service, serving your client, not yourself. So this brings me to the exciting part of our conversation. The most common lies shared in the coaching industry. I'm sure I could have written a longer list, but I decided to keep it at five because these to me, in my opinion, are the five most common lies shared in the coaching industry. So lie number one, anyone can be a coach. Wrong. Okay. Just like any other occupation, this isn't for everyone. Okay. Coaching comes with responsibility. It really does. Just like any other occupation, Coaching requires a certain set of skills, skills that can be learned through reputable training programs, but skills that need to be learned, right? Skills that get to be experienced and integrated and mastered. So not everyone can be a coach, okay? Lie number two, you only need to be a few steps ahead of someone in order to coach them. We have all heard this story. I have myself, I fucking admit, I have said this to people in the past. This was before I knew better, but I've said this to people in the past, very early on in my coaching career. If I said that to you, I am so fucking sorry because that is a bold fucking fat lie. You only need to be a few steps ahead of someone to coach them. Mm -mm, No, this has nothing to do with being a few steps ahead of someone And it has everything to do with how well you can coach someone. So again, it comes back to the skill set. Okay. Line number three. Oh, I've heard this so many times. And yes, this is one that I have shared in the past. Guilty. So if I've said this to you in the past, I am, again, so, so sorry. I've grown. I humble myself. I know better now. Line number three. Your life experiences are the only certification you need. (sighs) Deep sigh for this one. No, my friends. Your life experiences have equipped you as an individual with the resilience that you have. But your life experiences do not certify you to coach other people. Okay, your life experiences have equipped you with the resilience that you have, but they do not certify you to coach other people. Everyone on this planet, you, me, your friends, all these other people, we each have a very unique life journey. And this life journey is based on our own experiences, our traumas, our upbringing, our our beliefs, our value systems, our desires, our needs. It's based on so many different things. So my journey is not the same as your journey and vice versa, which means that as a coach, your journey, even if it's similar to your client's journey, is not going to be the same because you are two completely different human beings. 
Do we tend to attract people with very similar life paths? For sure, especially if you're talking about your life path, because people, when you talk about your life path, people feel seen and recognized within your story, so they are more inclined to want to work with you. But don't get fooled by that. That doesn't mean that they're exactly like you. So your life experiences are not the certification that you need to become a coach, okay? Lie number four, and this one really irks me because we're starting to see this more and more. If your client isn't experiencing results, that's on them. Whew, this one. There's so much here that is actually very trauma, uh, traumatizing and not trauma-informed. If your client isn't experiencing results, it's not always on them, okay? Sure, if the client isn't actually putting in any effort at all and they're not coachable, meaning they're not receptive to receiving coaching, sure. However, I believe, in my opinion, (laughs) that this is something that coaches say to each other in order to make themselves feel better about their coaching. It's a sense of superiority, A lot of coaches have that. They feel superior to their clients. They put themselves on pedestals. They forget to see that they are a human being just like their client. So there could be a few different things happening here. One, you could not be, maybe you're not effectively coaching your client and that's why they're not getting the results. This happens a lot with coaches who just get, who just like to identify their clients in a specific narrative. Like they they think they know what the client is going through. So here, try this, do this thing. It worked for me. It worked for this other client. And all of a sudden it doesn't work for this client and you start to blame them. And you're like, well, it's not working for you. I don't know. It's been working for everyone else. It works for me. It works for all these other people in your group program. There's a reason why it's not working for this client. And your job as a coach is to help them uncover what that is. Okay. So the better question to ask is why? Huh. Interesting. I wonder why this client isn't experiencing results. If you don't ask that question, you don't question yourself and humble yourself enough to look at all the ways in which maybe you could be doing a better job as a coach, you're going to end up blaming, shaming, and maybe even gaslighting your client. Example, and I hear this story a lot. I've actually had quite a few clients come to me with this very similar story, and it seems to happen a lot in group programs led by coaches whose program is built around this cookie cutter philosophy or strategy that they believe if people follow, they will get this result. Like if you follow this XYZ formula, you'll get this result. No, not everyone gets the same result, okay? Because everyone is really, really unique. And when a coach is running this type of program and one or two of their clients are not getting the same results as everyone else, they will tend to blame that client for not following the formula or strategy. But again, the real question is, well, why? Maybe the strategy doesn't feel super aligned to that client. Maybe there's a trauma a a trauma response that they're experiencing that is preventing them from taking action. So no, if your client isn't experiencing results, it's not always on them, okay? And then lie number five. 
price your services based on your self-worth. No, people. If you are going to price your services based on how you feel about yourself, your sense of worth, it would be priceless, okay? <laughs> like, really. This has nothing to do with self-worth and everything to do with the value of your services, the value of your coaching, okay? So when I first started coaching in 2014, again, I was doing that ladder approach. I started at free, then $100 sessions, then $325 for a group program, and I just started slowly going up from there. But sometime in 2015, I had met this business coach who was like, hey, let me offer you a free session. This was obviously his way of trying to enroll me in a bigger program. And the whole session, I remember this, he was doing most of the talking. And it was that very raw, raw kind of like pump you up, get you into this peak state, like motivational. You can earn this much. Come on, price your worth, Ruby. Price your what you're valued at. Like think bigger of yourself. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know? And I left that session like, yeah, I can fucking do this. And he had talked me into charging $1,500 a month for my coaching services. Now, back then, were my services worth $1,500 a month? I'm going to tell you, probably not. I was a very, very new coach. I had a lot of experiences. Uh, I had a lot of coaching experience due to my practicum with my coaching program, but I didn't have a lot of real life hands-on experience with a lot of clients. Did I enroll a client at that price? I sure as hell did. And I enrolled that client quite easily. Did I give that client my all? I sure did. But I realized very, very quickly that there was a misalignment between me and this client. And the experience itself could have been so much better for both of us. We had a good experience. We ended off on really good terms. But I realized during that coaching experience where my limitations are and gained an understanding of my scope of practice at that time. Scope of practice meaning what is the scope of the work that I do? What is the scope of the service that I can provide? So after that experience, I went back to my former pricing and carried on with my ladder approach. Again, humble student, you live, you learn. So those are the five most common lies shared in the coaching industry. And I'm going to run through all five again. Lie number one, anyone can be a coach. Lie number two, you only need to be a few steps ahead of someone in order to coach them. Lie number three, your life experiences are the only certification you need to become a coach. Lie number four, if your client isn't experiencing results, it's on them. And lie number five, price your services based on your self-worth. Mm -mm. To all the coaches who are listening, I invite you to approach your work with reverence, to show reverence to your work by taking responsibility for the spaces that you hold and to the people that you serve. Adopt a people first, not profit first, a people first approach and devote yourself to being a humble student of this work, knowing 
that you can always sharpen your skills, knowing that you don't know everything and that you're here to learn. To anyone listening who is aspiring to be a coach, please don't buy into the bullshit that is being sold out there. That, that anybody can be a coach, that your life experiences are all you need. Please don't buy into that bullshit. Find a reputable training and gain the necessary skills needed to earn the title of coach and to hold space for people in this way. Ensure that the training that you choose combines experiential learning so that you can begin to apply the skills that you learn while being supervised by instructors and in a supportive environment. Very, very important. So this episode was a little bit of a rant, but I felt like it was a well-deserved rant. (laughs) And it just contains a really important message for anyone in the coaching industry and anyone wanting to hire a coach, anyone wanting to, to become a coach. Just use your discernment and understand that this is a service-based industry where we need to start putting people first. It's important to remember at the end of the day that coaching is about the person that you are supporting. It's not about you. It's about the people that you're here to serve. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Potent Truth, where I am taking you on a journey to challenge illusion and lead with sovereignty. Just a heads up, I will be reopening my intimate group offering Potent Leaders in September. FYI, this is not just for coaches, but it's for any entrepreneurial leader. This is a four-month group coaching and mentoring journey that will help you rebuild your business from a place of absolute alignment while deepening your presence so you can lead your purpose with absolute integrity. For this round, I'm only going to have eight leaders total. Just head to rubyframon.com forward slash potent leaders and apply today. If you have yet to grab your copy of my book, head to potentleadership.com and grab yours today. You can also download Potent Leadership on Audible. Be sure to download a few episodes on iTunes or Spotify and drop a rating and review. Every rating and review helps me get this podcast out to more people around the world. And of course, as always, connect with me on social media. I am most active on Instagram. My handle is at I am Ruby. You can also text hashtag potent truth to 1781-336-0160 to start receiving weekly potent reminders. This will also enable you to text me directly. So do that. Thank you so much for being part of the potent truth movement. Finally, make sure you check back on Monday for a brand new episode of potent truth. Aho leaders.